The Daily Rios, episode 502, Timeline Tuesday for June 2021. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. A regular daily Rios episode today. No Smallville talk. <laughs> this is Timeline Tuesday, a comic history focus on select anniversaries for a given month. I like to take a look back to see which titles or characters are celebrating 10, 25, 50, or even their 75th anniversary. Sometimes it's tidbits about creators or comic news, uh, but mostly it's just been a fun way to casually go through and remember different eras or different events or different decades, etc. And these seem to be fairly popular episodes. For today, this Timeline Tuesday episode is going to run differently. I picked only three topics, two from 25 years ago and one from 50 years ago, and I have some guests on the podcast to help me talk about these various subjects. As a continuation of giving special thanks for those that supported me during the fundraiser for a new laptop, I've invited podcast veterans Chris Parton and Ed Moore. Currently, they are the co-hosts of the Boom Addiction podcast, among many, many others that they do or have done individually. So what you're getting this episode is personal experiences over dry facts. Uh, it's just three people hitting record on an episode and talking as we would uh, at a comic shop. Comic shop talk, if you will. So no real notes, not a lot of research on my end, just batting around thoughts and comments and ideas to see what we remember, to talk about impact and legacy, and maybe to get listeners to read these three topics for the first time or to reread um, anything that might be in your collection should the mood strike. Uh, so the topics for this already recorded discussion include the 25th anniversary of Kingdom Come, the first issue of which came out in May of 1996, the 50th anniversary of Swamp Thing, first appearance in April of 1971, and the 25th anniversary of Marvel's summer event, Onslaught, of 1996. Now, during the discussion, you'll hear a little bit of the backstory to why I picked these particular topics. Um, I won't do an outro for this episode, so when we wrap up the discussion, that'll be the end of the episode. But you can always send feedback to peter at thedailyrios.com, leave a comment on the website, or send a comment over on Twitter at Peter J. Rios. And be sure to check out Boom Addiction and read the show notes for links to Chris and Ed and to other things that we discuss in the episode, including the comic book podcast wiki page. I had a great time talking with Chris and Ed. It's really awesome to be able to get different people to talk about various subjects and uh, it's kind of nice to rework those muscles muscles again, you know, the, the ensemble podcast muscles. So, so I hope you enjoy this free-form chat 
Here we go, episode 502, Timeline Tuesday. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Kingdom come. Okay, as I mentioned here at the intro, I have, after a, a long, long time, uh, Mr. Chris Parton, who we used to talk back in the CGS days, a few episodes you popped in with oh, like, yeah. What was it? Sort of like a, a state of the union on image or future. Image. It was like image and top cow and stuff like that. I forgot about that until you just said that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and uh, you were on like one of the episodes for artifacts. Remember that? Yeah. 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 I remember that now. And uh, and also with us is Ed Moore, who I don't think we've talked before. Right, Ed? In, in all these many, all these many years. Not uh, not like this. We met once at uh, the episode 200 recording. You came to 200? Yeah, I was there, and and I even brought my entire run of the Dark Horse Lone Wolf and Cub and left it with you guys because you had talked, somebody had talked at the time about not having read it. And so when I came up, I left the entire run up there and then uh, got somebody to mail it back to me like a year, year and a half later. But yeah, I, I met I met all you guys at the uh, 200 episode recording. Well, that's the one I didn't go. I wasn't. I didn't attend that one because I was doing a, a theater project at that. Oh, time. I thought you. Would, oh, okay. No, you met Puppet Rio. So that was. I was going to say, was yes, Puppet Rio yes. there? That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was when Charlito brought created Puppet Rios for that episode because I wasn't there. Well, then he did a really good job with that puppet that's had me confused. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I brought these gentlemen on. Um, Throughout some random topics, uh, one of the things I love to do is go backwards into comic history and kind of see what are the big anniversaries for a specific month, a specific year. And uh, fortunately, both of uh, both of these uh, podcasters in their own right have some experience with the topics we're going to talk about today, uh, which is always fun. So we're going to take a look at three, potentially three different subjects. The first one being the 25th anniversary of Kingdom Come from DC Comics, the Elseworlds imprint, Mark Wade, Alex Ross and company. Uh, the second one, the 50th anniversary back in April of this year, I think it was, um, of Swamp Thing from his first appearance in House of Secrets. Uh, Kingdom Come came out, the first issue, in May of 1996. Um, and then also, generically, I thought, well, because I'm reading it right now, which I can talk about later, uh, let's talk about the 25th anniversary of the ever-popular X-Men event, Onslaught. X-Men and Marvel Universe, right? It, it sort of it kind of went all over the place. Oh, it damaged quite a bit. <laughs> It onslaughted <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> so um, this is just going to be free form. I don't have a lot of notes. I'm, I might make, make mistakes. That's not what the point of this episode. This point of this episode is just to really just kind of talk, you know, talk. You two talk to each other on, on over on Boom Addiction. But now we get a chance to talk and, and you know, feel free to interrupt and, and, you know, counter and all this good stuff. Let's start with Kingdom Come. Um, 
uh, as I was looking at like subjects to talk about for anniversaries, I was like, whoa, Kingdom Come. I mean, the 25th anniversary of Kingdom Come, that's kind of a big deal. I know comics seem to like to celebrate 20, 20th anniversaries, but I, I wait the five years. Let's do the quarter century. <laughs> Let's really date all of us right now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a um, couple questions you both can jump in. Did you read it at the time? Did you come to it later? Um, did you know about it before it was, if you did read it at the time, did you know about it? Were you like excited for the buildup? And then what's been your thoughts um, tw here 25 years later? You know, what do you, what do you look back when you, when you think about Kingdom Come, what do you think about? So who wants to start with that? We'll just jump in. Chris, you go first. Oh, I was going to let the elder statesman go first, but. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I guess that's Peter then. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's see. At the time it was coming out, I was, uh, I had a side job. I was working out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, over where UNC Chapel Hill is. And so I was on Wednesdays and on the weekends, I was working at a comic shop. I did a lot of their ordering and stuff like that. So I was aware of it coming out. Uh, I was a big fan of Alex Ross at the time, even though Kingdom Come sort of comes out of the experience of that he had with Marvels, mm -hmm. you know, I never read Marvels. I, I still haven't read Marvels. I've listened to the audiobook and it's amazing, but I've still not read it yet. But because at the time I was a big DC guy, big Teen Titans fan, big, you know, into Batman and all this other stuff, Legion. So, so when this came about, it was one of those things where I was like, well, this will be interesting you know, because it's Alex <laughs> Ross. And, you know, and at the time, Mark Wade wasn't a huge deal at the time, but he was a name that I recognized just because, you know, working in a comic shop, you kind of need to pay attention to everything. And so I was kind of excited about it as far as just being an Alex Ross project, but really didn't like fall in love with it until I read the first issue. Sure. sure. And so now it's one of those, it's one of those books, um, uh, I had to go buy a new trade paperback because I, because when I found out we were talking about this, I went to go grab my first edition hardcover. I don't have it anymore. Oh, I don't know where it is. Like I've had it, like I bought it. I ordered, I specifically ordered it for myself at the shop. And it's the one that came out in June of 97. It's the black with the gold, you know, embossed with Superman on the cover looking uh, such a great book. And, and I don't know where it is. Oh, so no. I used to read it like once or twice a year, like right after it came out. And so uh, we got moving around and stuff like that. So I've lost some comics and trades and stuff along the way oh. that I know of already with our multiple moves over the last 15 years. And, uh, and apparently uh, this is the latest victim. You know, so. <laughs> that's kind of funny because, yeah, there's all those biblical references in Kingdom Come. So like your copy is now like the new Gideon Bible, right? It's going to show right. up randomly right. at different right. hotels and people's it's houses. Exactly. <laughs> I like that you mentioned Marvels, uh, not to interrupt, uh, because I feel, you know, like I think that was probably my first exposure to Alex Ross, but probably a lot of people's first exposure to yeah. Alex Ross, if not Terminator before that or whatever. But, and, and it's so interesting when you, when you do get a chance to read Marvels, how, both of those books, Marvels and Kingdom Come, 
could I feel like they could only be done in the respective universes that they live in because Marvel's is is about the past right it's Kirk Busiek and Alex Ross talking about the creation of the Marvel universe the Marvel age right up to right. wherever it ends right not to give anything away um but Kingdom Come is the opposite it's the future and 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 it's mythical and it's and it feels very much of like it's it's the genius of Alex Ross of saying the Marvel universe is meant to be grounded with all of these fantastical concepts here's Marvel's Kingdom Come DC is a world of gods and and morality and blah 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 that's perfect for future it has everything to do with legacy which is a very DC concept so uh, yeah, you should read Marvels. I think you'd really, if you love Kingdom Come, you're going to, I think you might enjoy, you know, how the two are almost bookend. Oh, when I, when I picked up this trade today, I saw a copy of Marvels on the shelf and I did contemplate grabbing it. And I was like, I don't have time right now. I'll come back, which is my excuse for everything, for every book that I ever see on the shelf. I'm like, I don't have time. I'll come back. I'll, and then, you know, 10 years later, maybe. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was there for the issues. I sold my issues on, we're, a lot of us here are sellers, right? We sell, um, I used to sell books, especially like starting in 1999, 2000. I really, was, that was like a big selling time for me. And Kingdom Come, the first four issues, that was one of the ones that went. I have a trade of it, a soft cover trade, nothing special, just a random trade. Um, but I don't have the issues anymore. So, the, but yeah, I, I'm sort of with you, like, those house ads that popped up. Oh yeah. yeah. The eagle and the and the bat fighting each other. Uh, right. the Spectre one with the headshots of Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel and et cetera. Uh, just the different teases that started to come along were so interesting. Yeah. You knew it was gonna be a big project. I didn't know what it was gonna be, but I knew it was gonna be a big project. Yeah. What about you, Ed? Um, I I am going to be the the at me person. Um I have read it, um, but I read it more because as a comic book fan, I kind of felt that I needed to. Um, the volume of references to it that you get in 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 fandom, not so much in the books, but in fandom, I I had to in in order to to keep my geek card. You know, it, it was <laughs> one of it was one of those kind of things. Um, Peer pressure, absolutely. <laughs> I can see why and and where people would would like it, but to to really be the curmudgeon, I am a, a very big proponent of continuity. And my thinking is, if you're going to tell a story and it's a good story, tell it in continuity. Hmm. Because of that, things like What If for Marvel and Elseworlds for DC typically don't interest me because... I view that as an opportunity for someone to come in, stir up the pot, do whatever they want to, and leave it. There, there are no repercussions. There are no, you know, they, they, can, they can just destroy at will. And people will buy that, and it'll be good. And when it's over, it's over. It's very self-contained, its own sandbox, everything. And after years and years and years and years of investing in continuity, Things being in continuity is my reward for supporting these things. That's that's what I get because I know 
back when they did this or when they did that or the storyline and, and things like that. And so these very small self-contained things just have never really interested me, even though I know there's there's brilliant work out there in that format. So Kingdom Come, cool. It, it Actually, it probably more than a lot of other things um, did shape continuity after that, even though it wasn't yeah, necessarily sure. oh, intended yeah. to. Mm -hmm. I was gonna. That's um, what I was know, gonna we, ask you. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you if you, when it wrapped back around into that later Justice Society, did you appreciate it more, or did you at least was it more interesting? Um, I, I at least knew, like in John's Justice Society, when uh, Magog came around, I I knew. It, if nothing else, I knew why. Sure. You know, even though they didn't. That's not necessarily how they positioned it. I, I'm as a fan. Oh, okay. This this character, I understand why they're doing that. And there there was a curiosity to see how um, how close they steered into Kingdom Come from there, yeah. which now as we sit here wasn't all that much after uh, John's left Justice Society. So it, sure. you know right. it kind of has been left hanging there. Um, so. Yeah, I'm 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 that old guy sitting on his porch, you know, throwing my fist at you guys to stay off my lawn. Um, you know, it, it's it, I read it, I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm I'm hankering for the X Men talk, man. That's you know that's that's, that's your my, that's your cup of tea. Yes, absolutely. Talk about continuity, your continuity, right Jeez. down the middle. Ow. Oh, oh my God, that that's you. That's a that's a a labyrinth of continuity and timelines and, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Kingdom come. I mean, it's so interesting. I remember we, we looked at kingdom come. There was a CGS episode we did. People were telling us, you know, you got to do it as a book of the month. But it was like, okay, everybody, you know, everybody talks about it. And, you know, we tried to steer away from some of the big ones. And when we did a, a sort of special episode on kingdom come, I, at that time, remember reading it, and some of the some of the shine kind of fell off of it a little bit. I'm not sure why. I'd have to go back and listen to that episode. Um, uh, I'm sure if I read it again, you know, I, I I would find some more, you know, a different sort of appreciation for it or a different angle or whatever. But in terms of like in terms of where it is in in comics, um, especially mid '90s, Mark Wade. And Alex Ross, really Alex Ross's thoughts of the image universe, you know, Gog and Magog, you know, they're just sort of wrapped up into everything, cable and pouches and whatever, you know. Well, like American Commando, as, as an example, you know, a lot of those characters were developed by Alex Ross and, and Wade has said he gave some some direction on some characters especially the newer characters and america commando he basically said just draw it like rob liefeld would <laughs> and that's why we get this over the top big shoulders you know mm. and all this other stuff so yeah i mean you're yeah. right yeah, yeah so you so you have that aspect first of all and then you have alex ross you know if he wasn't a superstar he was he was on its way or kingdom come definitely made him a superstar i mean because the the stuff that came after it I mean, there was the novel that came out. There was an audio book that came out for Kingdom Come years later. Yeah, I had it. 
um, as you mentioned, the various different collections, the hardcovers, the soft covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was um, for anybody who knew about Alan Moore's Twilight proposal, Twilight of the Superheroes, um, uh, which talked about putting DC into like, putting the characters into these different houses, the house of Superman, the house of thunder, whatever the, I don't, you know, whatever they were. Um, and the notion that they would have different sides and need to come together. It almost was like a game of Thrones concept, if you think about it. Um, so this notion of using DC's characters as icons and myths and throwing them together and wrapping it up into this biblical narrative with the with the point guy right norman mckay i think that's his name um, yeah based on his father who was a preacher alex ross's father apparently was also a pastor or preacher um as ed as you mentioned taking the else worlds and the what if formula which always seems to end negatively right <laughs> usually especially in what if everybody's always dead right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a, I, I used to love those stories you know what if uh spider spider-man did this well usually by that meant somebody was going to die by the end of it you know? right yeah, yeah. And that's the one where aunt may died yeah yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> again um, <laughs> again so so it was, it was just interesting it was it was kind of like i remember at the time like thinking wow this is sort of dc doing i, I almost hate to say this but doing watchmen in their universe you know, sort of uh taking taking this really sort of taking the dark knight formula and creating an endpoint for their characters even if it was out of continuity um but then it would also you know to talk about like the legacy of it it was interesting to see some of the elements play out in the actual continuity um such as when cyborg uh who usually is silver turned gold Right. for the titan series that was written by devin grayson and art by mark mm-hmm. buckingham right which was definitely a kingdom come nod um we eventually got roy harper as red arrow down the way right. uh, but then there was also like a random i forget who the two there were two characters in kingdom come they were two little brainy guys and and, and they had like i don't know veins on their head they showed up in a random nightwing annual i think or story or somewhere somewhere along the way they just popped up randomly i was like oh look those are those are kingdom come characters um so it was interesting to see the writers even before jeff johns kind of hint you know batman the batman universe kind of did it with dark knight you know eventually we did get sarah essen she showed up in the continuity when frank miller created her for um Dark Knight Returns, right? Or no, she was in year one. Yeah. Yeah, year one. Yeah. 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 yeah um, so it was interesting. It was just really interesting. It was it, it, When I look back at the legacy of, of Kingdom Come, um, I don't think it's necessarily an, uh, uh, a series I would give to a new, newer comics reader. I think it plays heavily on what you already know about the DC Universe. Um, well, I... You disagree? Well, and that's that's the thing. I'm trying to figure out how I disagree. I kind of disagree to the point where I feel sort of on the opposite side of what Ed was saying is Elseworld stories. I think a lot of times if you're finding new comic book readers who are 
just wanting to sort of get into things just to kind of get a taste of this and this and see what they like. Sometimes it's hard and having worked at a comic shop, it's, 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 you know, I've worked at a couple of them and it's always, you know, trying to find that new person who comes in. It's like, I don't know what I want to read. All right. Well, what do you like? Okay. Well, I like this. I like this TV show. I like these movies and stuff like that. And it's, I always seemed, if I gave them just a trade paperback of Nightwing or Batman or Captain America or whatever, I think if you do it now, that it's a little different. But 10, just 10 or 15 years ago, doing that, there's so much, there's so much going on in a mm-hmm. trade. Sometimes these miniseries, these elsewhere stories, they give you just enough of, of the of what the essence of this character is. Kingdom Come shows, you know, Superman going from one end of the spectrum to the other, to the point where he's about to kill everybody, to realizing, you know, to remembering who the man, you know, and Superman is. And, and so you get a full run of that gamut of who that character is in just four issues. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is interested in seeing what does an older Superman look like and how does he function in today's society? That's a, you know, that's a way to do it. Now, you know, given the book came out during the nineties, it it is definitely, um, uh, we'll say influenced by image comics and sort of what comics were like in the nineties. So you kind of have to, you know, it's hard to tell a new reader that, you know, here, let me tell you a history lesson. Nobody cares. You know? <laughs> or, or at the very least, a reaction to those books. You right. Know, you know, yeah. So I've tried to, so my son, who's 21, is a casual comic book reader. And he, he leans, you know, he leaned really heavy into Valiant, um, somewhat into DC. And that's kind of where he's stayed. He's kind of hit or there, you know, come up, a couple other things. But I have brought up Kingdom Come to him a lot over the, you know, the last couple of years or whatever. Because mm-hmm. it's just something I, you know, something will make me think about it or whatever. And I'm like, you really need to read this. You really need. And he's almost afraid to read it, I think. <laughs> it's just, it's like, because he's like, what is it? You know, I saw on TikTok or I saw on Instagram, you know, this guy was kind of describing it. And these characters are really, you know, dark and brooding. And I'm like, yeah, that's the selling point. That, that's what gets you in the door. The end of the book, yes, there are a lot of people who died. When the, when the bomb gets, ex- spoilers, the, when the bomb explodes over the battlefield, you know, a lot of people die, but a lot of people survive. And so the end of the book is not about how they all died. It's how they're all being remembered as superhuman and human work together to make the world a better world. And so it's not, yes, there are a lot of people that died, but it's more focused on the hope of everything. And then you get the epilogue that is all about hope. Right. And the future. So, and, yeah. Right. So it's, I think this particular book is one that I, I find fun giving to people because it is such a, it is so different from everything else that they think that they're getting ready to read when they read Wonder Woman or Batman or something like that. Um, it's also fun because it's a good conversation piece because they're like, well, who's this guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. Like that guy's Wally West and that guy's Alan Scott. 
into subject. Right. You don't need to have that conversation anymore. Yeah. But, you know, but then, you know, kind of explain to who's, you know, it, it's, it's a bigger conversation. I've had, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks about it and it's just, just, I don't know. It's just seen, you know, people kind of get really interested in it. Now, now that was, like I said, 15 years ago, right. who knows what that's like now? I'd be real curious to know. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't some of those collections have uh, good guides about, who who's on the covers and things yes like that. yeah oh yeah they've broken down like this particular trade i've got it's like the third printing and in the back matter of it it's got um it's got a lot of those sketches that tells you who these characters are and stuff like that it's got the yeah it's got the covers for the four issues with a breakdown of who's who and there's you know a hundred plus yeah. characters in every yeah. on every cover um, and then this particular issue, which I'd never seen before, is a breakdown of who is related to who mm. and and who becomes, you know, like this character, like Silver Scarab becomes some other character at some point. And it sort of tells you, you know, it, just with arrows and stuff like that, but it shows you sort of the progression of these characters. Now, you don't need that to read this book. But it is an it is a neat little little feature. So, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, this is the current one. The I guess the current printing that's out right now. It's only twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's well worth picking up. You know, if you're curious about it, and it gives you it gives you Alex you know Alex Ross's eight page pitch. Oh, you nice. know, to DC, yeah. which is which I had never read before. So that was fun to read. It gives you obviously some some notes from Mark Wade and and Alex Ross, you know, about you know them first meeting each other and that first brainstorm of what was going on, um, and then you know there's some other stuff in the background too. Right. But but it's a you know I'm I'm one of those guys who likes to read something that has a lot of history to it, and not only character wise does it have a lot of history to it, just the development of yeah. coming up with the story has a lot of history so it's just overall it's a lot of it's a good history lesson of books right. and how comics are made and that kind of thing so yeah i mean that's and again that's sort of one of the reasons why i wanted to spotlight it i mean these episodes are never really about let me tell you what the story is about that's not what this you know, <laughs> you know it's it's about you know trying to hit those things uh, uh those anniversaries those and it's a benchmark i mean i think it's a benchmark for the 90s and and certainly for creativity and um, people were inspired by it um, all the way up through the Wonder Woman 84, you know, her mm-hmm. golden armor is right from, you know, Kingdom Come. So, um, uh, and and I think there's some something to be, to be said about, like, the Trinity, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. It probably cemented the idea of those three as a Trinity. I'm sure people dabbled with it before that, Um but I was trying to, uh, this is something I've been looking at randomly every time I read like an 80s comic. They really, the, the Trinity didn't really exist. Definitely not pre-crisis. I mean, you knew who the big three were. You knew who the right. big seven were yeah. in the Justice League. But the Trinity, the very the, that concept, I think that really did, Kingdom Come had a lot to do with that if not, if not created it, you know. So, oh yeah, if that but, epilogue doesn't create it, if it wasn't already created, cements it right there sure sure. Uh, um any other thoughts on kingdom come add anything on that 
Uh, just, you know, you were talking about its place uh, overall. It, it certainly has gone a long way to cementing the uh, the fact that people know Mark Wade and Alex Ross post that. If if you didn't know or didn't know much pre, then that was the 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 flag on the hill that they planted. And from that point on, as their names and reputations came up, that was always a touchstone or a reference to Wade and, and Ross, definitely together, but individually as well. Um, oh, uh, you like Mark, uh, you, you like Mark Wade. So have you read such and such? Right. And Kingdom Come is always one of the first two or three things that's mentioned. Likewise with Alex Ross, although I, I, I think more recently, probably cover work, even if now people know him like we would have known him 15 years ago. Sure. Uh, so, but yeah, that it, it very much uh, to have just been four issues. And to not necessarily come up now uh, as frequently as other things, it, it still, I think, is, is very much a touchstone for DC, for those creators. Like you said, the, the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman as a, uh, as, and Chris mentioned this in, in another aspect, but the, as an, an equilateral triangle, each in 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 the an angle representing something different from the other two, mm-hmm. but yet all three as a whole being a, a firm basis for a, um, a a superhero or mythical universe, or even if you want to say for DC's universe themselves, uh, it's it's a very um, important part of what has has gone on, what has come since then. Yeah, I agree with that, and you know. Uh, Earth X, Universe X, Paradise X, you know, that that certainly Alec, what uh, what Alex Ross learned on Kingdom Come, he would take over to do those um, three limited series for Marvel. Um, Mark Wade has always wanted to write Superman, um, whether he got his wish or not. Um, but uh, I can see echoes of maybe what he learned about the larger DC universe in something like JLA year one you know, and, and um, playing around with the, the, the sensibilities that he likes to play with. So, yeah. Um, let me know, you know, listeners, if you let me know what your reaction, your thoughts are to Kingdom Come. If you I put out on Twitter, but I, I didn't really get a response. Um, if any, I'd be very curious, Chris, as you mentioned, if somebody just read it in the last like five years for the first yeah. time, what, what oh, their yeah. reaction would be, because, you know, it's kind of like the Watchmen thing, right? If you read Watchmen when it was coming out, you have one experience. If you read it five years later, you have another experience. If you read it 20 years later, you have a whole different, especially after the movie or the TV series. So it'd be very, I'd be very curious to see what people think. I could vouch for that because I read it right before the movie came out. Okay. Like, oh, so, yeah. yeah. Even though I was around and buying comics when it was on the shelf, I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the second one that we're going to talk a little bit about, Swamp Thing, celebrating 50 years since uh, the first appearance in House of Secrets in 1971. Um, House of Secrets number 92, I believe. I don't have my notes open. Um, A a very different Swamp Thing in that original Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson story. 
um, and then eventually it would uh, spin off into a, a series and then another series and then more series and Vertigo and et cetera, et cetera, to the point where there's some movies and a TV show and, and a recent series even now in DC's Infinite Frontier. Um, Swamp Thing was a character I came to. Uh, so like Chris, what you just mentioned about, oh, what's that? Um, for some reason, just randomly picked up at the age. So this was 1982, issue number 20, Alan Moore's first issue. I didn't know who Alan Moore was. Oh, wow. The issue before anatomy, the before the anatomy lesson, right? Uh, randomly picked up the Swamp Thing issue because he was getting shot at in, on the cover. Um, so I had a local mom and pop corner store, as most people did in the early 80s. Uh, that just had a spinner rack and and I would just randomly pick up issues. Um, and this was 1980. What did I figure out? It was 1982 or 83. It might've been 83 um, because I was 10 or 11 years old. I'm barely a teenager reading Alan Moore's run on. So I had no idea what I was reading. The Monkey King few issues scared the heck out of me, um, and and the book itself kind of scared me because it was you know a very it was an, a horror book done in in the DC universe um, before it moved over to Vertigo and completely separated itself from DC. So Swamp Thing, fifty years. I mean, I've read most. I've read all of the Alan Moore stuff. Um, after that, I didn't really pick up too many other issues. I dabbled in. A few issue, few issues of the volume that featured his daughter Teffy Teffe. Uh, I think it's Brian K. Vaughn. I think who wrote those first couple issues. Can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beyond that, um, don't have much more reading experience unless he popped up here and there. You know, uh, during Brightest Day and this, you know, all that craziness that was going on. I did read. Um, was there a future state swamp thing? Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I read those those and those were pretty great. Um, uh, but that's kind of my experience. Uh, Ed, what's your experience with Swamp Thing? I first became aware of Swamp Thing uh, in 1986, 87. I was a freshman in college. Uh, my roommate was an art major. And so I had occasion to hang out with other art majors. I, I was a science major. I was a biology major. So we were boring to hang out with. So I, I hung out <laughs> with, with the art people. And as as they would collect and um, put put on their smoking jackets and, and sip their brandy, they would talk through clenched teeth about this Ellen Moore swamp thing. And so that's where I first... Uh, was exposed to the swamp thing other than an occasional ad in in a you know in a DC book that I would have seen or something like that and so how um how much in esteem they held this creator in this book stayed with me until several years later when I had an opportunity to just buy whatever I wanted to um and I went back and I thought well I know that this is a placeholder. So I'll go all the way back to the beginning and, and read uh, Swamp Thing from the beginning, from his first showcase appearance and the first several issues of his first volume, all of which I've read. Now, 
for whatever reason, I stopped and have only read more recent iterations of Swamp Thing and honestly have not read maybe just a, an issue here or there of the Alan Moore run and, and after Moore, um, the, the end of that first volume. So my experience is the more um, contemporary, the newer, I guess, iterations. Um, Peter, like you said, where Tefe was the swamp thing, quote mm -hmm. unquote, I'm that on, on the camera, everybody can see me do the, the quotes. <laughs> it, that was the, the title. She, you know, for anybody with any knowledge of Swamp Thing up to that point, she wasn't Swamp Thing per se, but, you know, that's where the, the narrative went. And so, um, and up, up until now, actually, I've been, I bought this last volume um, before Future State, and I'm purchasing the current volume, uh, both of which are, are very good and very entertaining, but I don't really think it is the same character the same creation as what alan moore did with it it's a you know so uh, i'm i'm sure again as i i said i i do things in fear of losing my geek card i'll, I'll probably here before too long read that just so that i can you know i can check it off the big checklist that you're supposed to carry around but yeah i haven't up to this point yeah and i mean it's a character that look you know right at the same time when swamp thing first appeared marvel did man thing and and Swamp Thing, for some reason, if you put the two together, has more popularity for one reason or another, whether it's because of Alan Moore, whether it's because DC has just decided to try to do various series with the character, as opposed to Marvel that kind of puts him in the back, puts Man Thing in the background and some, although recently I think they did what, like a couple specials just recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember reading, so um, the issue, I don't remember the number, but it's the issue where uh, Swamp Thing and Abby Arcane, for lack of a better phrase, basically have sex during the Alan Moore uh, run. Um, it's a beautiful cover, the two of them just like in a pool, just hugging each other. Uh, um, and uh, in it, she takes a bite of one of the yams that's on his body, right? And then she goes into like some kind of like, uh, vision quest thing right. um very trippy beautifully done right so anyway so it's laying on an ironing board in my room and um i think i was either doing something else homework or reading another comic my mom was do in the room and she picked it up and started flipping through it and just was like looking at it and she uh, the only thing i remember is her saying wow this is beautiful because that if that issue, if anybody who's read it, um, it's it's just it's not traditional panel work, right? It's it's again, it's a Abby Arcane is basically tripping because she she ingested this yam and uh, a bite of Swamp Thing's essence, and um, she remembers. She, I was like, look at that, you know. My mom grew up on comics. She she used to read like Little Lulu and other things. So so she certainly was familiar with comics. Uh, but it just was so interesting. It's the one memory I have um, of Swamp Thing, you know, uh, one clear memory of her picking up that random issue and not reading it, but just kind of flipping through and go, wow, that's beautiful. Um, I have not seen the most recent TV series yet, um, but I do remember watching the movies. And Chris, apparently you are a fan. 
Uh, well, a fan's a strong word. I, okay. I do remember. Well, I, I've probably watched that movie when I was a kid more times than I probably should have. Yeah. Um, and it was then it was a very campy movie. Yes. Obviously, by today's standards, it is beyond the campiest of camp movies. Right. Um, but yeah, that's really my only exposure to Swamp Thing, which is such a weird thing to say, much like Ed saying with your geek card. I tend to leave my notebook at home and I never check <laughs> off anything. And so I read things so out of order, it's pathetic. Um, I've had so many opportunities. I've had some great libraries that have had all of Alan Moore's runs and trades available to me. It's staring me in the face so many times. And I've always, I've, I've had them in my hand or I've put them back. It's just one of those things like it's, it's not, it's just never been a character that I've ever been drawn sure. toward. Yeah. It, but it's yeah. always the movie is the thing that always pops up in my head when people start talking about it. Well, and... I mean, if this is an episode about anniversary and influence, <laughs> I mean, clearly we come at these things differently, right? Like oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. somebody might come at it from a cartoon. Somebody might come at it from a movie, a character, a concept. Well, and the funny thing is, is I didn't even know it was a comic book at the time when I saw the movie. Uh, That's how sort of out of the loop I was. <laughs> and it came on HBO or something like that when HBO was young. And, oh, man, I, just the movie, just the character. That's the craziest thing is sitting there talking about, you know, the character was so cool and so interesting and, and again, campy and, you know, and uh, whatever the villain's name is. I forget what is it. Play, I forget the actor's name, but he was played so great that the guy who plays him is it was perfect, and and sort of just the creepiness of it. Um, I yeah, you know, I just remember, you know, scenes and visions and stuff like that of, of of what was going on, and it's it's always been one of those things like I need to go back and watch this movie again, and I've seen it in the last maybe ten years, but I've it's it's always a thing like. I have seen like when it would be on like TBS or something like that, <laughs> you know, I would just, if I had a couple minutes, flip through channels and I would catch, I would watch 15 or 20 minutes or whatever to the next commercial or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that was fun. And just kind of move on. But it's got, it's got pedigree. I mean, it's, it's directed, written and directed by Wes Craven. Oh, I know. It's just, you know, that's crazy. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about, uh, Anton Arcane was played by Louis Jordan. Yeah, he Louis was Jordan. amazing. I love him. And what was funny is seeing him, and I forget what the actresses who played. Adrian um, Barbeau. Yes. Yeah, how can you forget Adrian? Yeah, how can, how well, do you that's, not know that's the thing. Barbeau. I can't remember. Oh, I can't. I never remember her name, but but <laughs> she you burned into my young my youth you know brain. So maybe that was why I always watched that movie. Pretty sure that was why I always watched that movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there are worse reasons. So. There are worse reasons. I didn't. But. I just and I. It's if I have seen it, it. I don't. I have no memory of it. But I didn't realize uh, Ray Wise played Alec Holland. Yeah. Ray Wise from Twin Peaks. That's, yep. that's kind of crazy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, it's it's one of those things that movie sort of introduced me to a bunch of actors and a bunch of you know Wes Craven and so years before i would ever really know who they were right mm -hmm. and then when you go oh it's Wes craven you know because i was a big fan of nightmare on elm street stuff and everything and then kind of go oh wait 
that's you know when you start doing a little more research you're like wait a second he did you know he did swamp thing oh my god it's so yeah <laughs> and so it's it's just you know it's always entertaining to kind of go back because you know as a kid you don't ever pay attention to that kind of right, stuff you're sure, just like sure. the visuals is all you're looking for right. so but that's yeah same, that's, it's, it's the same thing as alan moore you know like i read the i read the alan moore swamp thing as it was coming out i didn't know who alan moore was alan right. moore was not alan moore he yeah. was just the writer oh the writer on that book that scares the heck out of me okay right i got it um how did you celebrate the 50th anniversary of swamp thing we talked about his movie <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's all part of it right it is it is and that's the crazy it, thing especially to get a movie uh, and the character is only what 10 years old and he already gets yeah. a movie. of all yeah. all of dc's characters they you know they bank it on swamp thing yeah yeah but the costume was great i mean it's all practical effects and so it's you know, it was one of those things I was very into as a as a kid. My group of friends were real big into sort of that B list, C list, you know, movies and stuff like that. You know, and having seen stuff like you know Toxic Avenger, Toxic and all, Avenger yes. you know, and I don't know if which one came first or whatever, but it's one of those things. As a comparison of the two, the costume alone in Swamp Thing is far superior than anything I've ever seen you know, and all of these other movies. So it was always sort of that, yeah, these are like B and C list kind of movies, but it's really, it's up at the top. It's, <laughs> it's trying to break through, but it quite had, you know, it's hadn't done it yet. So. Uh, my, my favorite, and this is kind of a tangent, but probably still plays in the whole Swamp Thing universe. Uh, is it Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Is that, isn't oh, that? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yes. That could be yep. a, that could be a Swamp Thing sequel. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> talk about your trippy yams yeah no doubt any final thoughts on swamp thing that was fun no, right. no, the, no. okay uh, but yes you're right uh, uh definitely uh what ed said about like the current volume the current the future state the infinite frontier version of swamp thing um i liked those two frontier infinite frontier issues or future state issues yeah. um because they there was a couple sequences that, where they played with like the larger DC universe a lot. And, and I, you know, I love that kind of stuff. So I appreciated that. it will be interesting to see if he carries that over into the series. So, all right. And then finally, let's really go in the oh, weeds no. here. 25th anniversary. So let me, let me set this up. I am re I have, I have a, um, Ed, what you talked about going back to the beginning of Swamp Thing, I have a quirk that I always have to read things in order. And right. I had a real strong hankering to read Thunderbolts, the first volume, which I read at the time, but I wanted to read it again with like years more years more experience, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, you know what else would be kind of cool to read? Hmm. I should really read just for kicks, The Heroes Reborn stuff oh, right. <laughs> just because i'm trying to punish myself i guess so then i said well wait a minute <laughs> i've never re i've read onslaught at the time but i kind of want to see how and i thought you know what that's actually a really good uh, I, when you I, I love to look at publishers especially dc and marvel and like okay where are the different eras and that's a really good, if you're going to start reading Marvel at different points, there's plenty you can do. The Marvel Knights era, the Marvel's Now, Marvel Now era, anything post-Civil War, like, great. But I thought, 
Okay, Onslaught to Heroes Reborn to Heroes Return when when Marvel did, you know, that's when you got Busiek and Perez on Avengers mm-hmm. and you got Mark Wade on Captain America and was it Dan Jurgens on Dan Thor? Dan Jurgens on Thor, yeah. Right? And that that's another series I want to read because I've never read those and it's that oh, big John Romita Jr. artwork. Yeah. And yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a good, that's the whole reason, long story short, why I'm reading Onslaught. So it is the 25th anniversary of Onslaught. Um, if, if you, and if people don't know what it is, it's basically uh, early 90s X-Men was like event after event after event. Executioner song and then this and then Fatal Attractions and, and the Failings Covenant and all this stuff. And from the events of Fatal Attractions, um, where Professor X basically had enough with Magneto, shuts him down, paralyzes him, you know, telepathically, whatever. But a little bit of, this is how they explain it, right? A little bit of Magneto, or whatever was in Magneto, goes into Charles Xavier, and suddenly there's stuff going on, and there's this new character, Bishop, that shows up, and there's been been this running thing of somebody's going to betray the X-Men. Somebody's, in his future, he sees a videotape, right? of Jean Grey, and she's like, oh my God, we never knew, and blah, 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 blah. Turns out the big traitor is Professor X himself, because he's now got this thing inside him, and this other thing gets created called Onslaught. And I remember the buildup of Juggernaut getting punched all the way from, like, I don't know what, Canada or something? Yeah, it was, like, stupid far. (laughs) (laughs) And landing, and all all he says is, onslaught you know whatever i forget just these really fun 90s way over the top i mean you can't get more over the top than onslaught mid 90s that that ridiculous crab design looking oh for sure right (laughs) um but i read it right and it it not only was an x-men event it also was a marvel universe event it had two big one shots one for x-men one for marvel universe and at the end of it they battled onslaught and i'm not there yet but uh several of the heroes most of the heroes got wiped out of this universe and put into the whole route that's how we were that's how marvel decided to to and um sell jim lee and rob liefeld coming on to back to marvel to do Avengers and Iron Man, uh, Fantastic Four, and uh, what's the fourth one I'm missing? Captain America. Captain America, thank you. So, um, uh, and certainly coming out of the Onslaught event, I, I was picking up a lot of Marvel uh, because of it. So, so for me, it's a crazy event, but it meant something at the time. So, you two are big X Men readers. What is, give me some thoughts on Onslaught. My first thought. Of, of that storyline is it typifies as much as any other storyline Marvel had Marvel at that time. Early 90s, you know, if, if, if you're curious and, and you weren't around reading Marvel at that time, pick up on slot and you're, you're smack in the middle of what Marvel was in the early 90s by reading that story. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind, the 90s overall, uh, particularly for Marvel, there's a lot of people now that you will read and you will listen to, and and they they kind of 
at the very least side eye Marvel, if not just put it down. But Marvel was selling millions of books a month. Some of these people were those people buying those books, and we all know it. <laughs> sure, right. Whether you they're going to admit to it or want. not, they were standing at the front of the line when the door opened for the store, and they were getting their issues. I mean, come <laughs> on, fess up. It's kind of like I the, was there. Oh, sure. Oh, it's, yeah. there's, there's, there's two things that I always, you know, I, I, yes, I'm sure there are some exceptions to the rule. Everybody has one of the books from the first year of Image, right? It may not oh, be absolutely. young. It may not be Youngblood One. It may not be but, Savage Dragon Spawn. It might be Br Brigade of all things, or, or, right. or the Pit, the Pit Union, something. Somebody has an Image book that they just had to get because a creator was there, or whatever. And I also feel that way about uh, the the Mutant Genesis era of X Men, right? If not those first, that first issue that had the four different, four or five different covers, right. if not a polybagged issue of X-Force, somewhere along the way, I feel like in those first five years in the 90s, you had to have picked up an X-Men comic. Yep. If you're like a hardcore Marvel and DC fan. If you're totally indie, okay, maybe yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I have been a Marvel fan since... Um... Uh, probably I really started picking up a Marvel fan, excuse me, an X-Men fan to be more precise. Um, about a year after um, Jean Grey died, the Dark Phoenix was over, right about the time that uh, Byrne had left. That's when Paul, I started really the picking up. The Paul Smith up, stuff? Yeah, uh, the X-Men. And I have to this day, and Chris uh, can most certainly back me up on this, as can uh, our... Uh, Twitter friend, um, who's Paul, Paul Tessner. Right. Uh, they can both attest that I am still a very big X-Men fan to this day. Oh, for sure. Um, doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean there haven't been hits and misses and, you know, whatnot, but the X-Men have always been that book that I kept up with during my buying hiatuses or the books that I hesitated selling when I sold off books and, you know, they, they've always been that one franchise that I have kept up with in some way. Right. And uh, I, I bought onslaught off the shelf. Um, it was at the time, freaking awesome. Without a doubt. It, <laughs> oh, it was, it was glorious. It was incredible. <laughs> now, as I sit here, okay. You know, it was the early 90s Marvel. That, it's, no, you know, blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> still holds up to today. Yes. Yes, it holds up Oof. one of my stacks of books over here. It yeah, probably, it's probably <laughs> but, right. <A> desk. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and that was at the, at the beginning uh, of Marvel's X storyline year over year. Uh, sales philosophy that they got into and, and held on to for, for quite a while. So right, right. It, it was the start of that. And so it was, it was still the, the creators and the story concepts were still cool and new and far reaching Peter, like you said, it affected Avengers. 
Fantastic Four. I'm reading. Spi- because- it's in the Spider-Man's in the middle of the Clone Saga, and he's he's dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah. Onslaught. They they fit in everywhere. Yeah. Um, and and again, you know, so much so that four major flagship books at the end of that storyline they ended, gave it a couple months and started up. And as you said, they did that. I I think, and I think it's pretty much been said as an attempt to get these um, hot creators that had left just recently back into the fold, if not just for a limited period of time, because, wow, look how much money they're making over there. If we can get just a, a portion of that over here, uh, yeah, it didn't quite turn out that way. And right. it, the whole Heroes Reborn storyline, I thought, ended kind of unfortunately. It just, yeah. yeah. It started really high, and by the finish, it was not that high. <laughs> Those third—they all ended on the thirteenth issue, right? And and suddenly they had crossovers with Wildstorm characters in it, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, so uh, bizarre. Well, right. yeah, I and mean, you get Liefeld leaving, and Lee, Jim Lee's kind of left with like, "I got to pick up the pieces somehow." <laughs> yeah, and you know, you admit the art going from Liefeld and Lee to Walt Simonson. That's a huge change. I mean, that's just, you know, and you're not necessarily going to have the same fan base wanting to pick up both of those creators. Right. So, you know, for for various reasons, it ended. But coming out of that, when they restarted Avengers and Iron Man and Fantastic Four, they killed the creators on those. So, I mean, there was this, you know flagging before heroes reborn well we'll cut it off and see what we can do with these big names well well, that didn't work so we'll try it again and then they hit it yeah that was that was it after uh, after heroes reborn right with the restart of these things you mentioned jurgens and uh mark wade and uh, yeah those were those were up perez on or excuse me perez on avengers i I mean Please, we we've been wanting that since the mid to late seventies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, uh, when you look back at like Marvel's comic history, everybody, you know, Marvel Knights, Joe Casada, Jimmy Palmiotti, and and all those huge, huge imprint for them, and very obviously so because then Joe Casada then takes over the enti- entire Marvel, right? But you're, but I, but I agree, the coming out of the Heroes Return stuff is probably like the precursor to that. I feel like people shortchange uh, what you're talking about. And and it's and it was because look, whether it was a rumor that I read or just speculation, had Lee and Liefeld been successful, had those books been successful, they probably would have gone on more for uh, longer than just a year or 13 issues. But yeah. clearly yeah. clearly whether it was because of delays or just stories were just too way too the characters were just way too different i'll never forget cracking open that avengers and going that's hawkeye yes (laughs) yes um so okay so so let's go back to onslaught let's go back to you know it it sort of was like it's it's not really but in many ways if you think about how marvel treated that event to get to another point it almost was like their their first attempt at like a crisis almost kind of not really yeah yeah um uh well it definitely had elements of it and and it was slow building 
-hmm. you know, like you said, when Bishop showed up, I remember, I mean, I've been an X-Men fan since the fall of the mutants. And, and so having seen, you know, sort of these characters, you know, kind of do what they do and understand that they're one big family, you know, and then you have Bishop show up who is like, one of you is going to betray all of you. And, you know, as a, you know, how old was I? I was probably, I was probably in college when all that was coming out. So having, no, I was out of college. I remember now I was working at Cars and Comics. Um, so when that came out, to know that there was a traitor among them, you know, and he immediately thinks it's Gambit. Right. But then he realizes, no, Gambit's the witness. Yeah. He's the one who sees what's going on. And Jubilee's the last X-Men. Remember when he said that? He's like, right, the yeah. last X-Men. It was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that why they made her? So they could, you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. but so yeah, when that reveal happens that it's Professor X, I don't care what I've read prior to that, that would make me go, whatever. I was, I was all in. I was like, oh yeah. crap. What, why would Xavier? And then to get that explanation, as bizarre as it sounds, you know, that, that some evil essence of Magneto creeped into his psyche, you know, whatever I was, I was sold. I was like, all right, if that's what we have to do to get here, I'm good. Let's go. You know, right. it was a wild ride. And we were talking about Mark Wade, right? Mark Wade was part of that process, right? I think I remember reading that initially it was just supposed to be Professor X or one of the iterations it was just right. supposed to be Professor X. Then it was like the amalgamation of the two. Um, but they, they, I think at one point they really did want to wipe him off. Professor X, they wanted to just take him out. They wanted to take him off the board. Yeah. So I, I might be getting some of those facts wrong, but I'm fairly certain Mark Wade was part of that process, if not as a writer, maybe an editor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it was it was trippy. It was it was a great buildup. And it. I think what was also interesting was the mystery, as you mentioned, um, that it wasn't Magneto, it wasn't Strife, it wasn't right. Apocalypse, it was e someone even like bigger and badder. And it was like, well, who could this be? Now, yeah. sure, in hindsight, as I said, you look back, maybe you sort of go, ooh, onslaught. Well, and um, you're suspicious of every character who shows up yeah. at that point. You're like, oh, he's getting ready to do it. Oh, no, she's going to do it. Yeah. You know, you're never thinking of Xavier. If you right. do, the only creep, and I may have this time, I may have this mixed up because it's been a long time since I've read it, but isn't this also during the time where we're, where it's being revealed to Gene that he had feelings for her when she was a child, you know, or whatever. And so it got really, really creepy. Somebody, so by the, yeah, I think, did I read that? Like somebody shows her that or something? Yeah. Like she did. either gets it through their psychic rapport or something, but she, some somehow she she finds this out and that's when you know i'm like okay this is getting weird now you know and then you know and then you get the whole thing i'm like okay fine if we, if we need to get rid of him i'm good i'm good with that now I, you justified it yeah again i may be having all of that sort of mixed up you sure. know it's what all was going on right yeah, yeah but exactly so it's like continuity yes but at the same time i don't remember what part of continuity that was <laughs> yeah. and i'm i'm way behind on 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 the current x-men stuff but you know when when people were kind of flipping out when hickman 
first when you first see xavier and house of x and powers of 10 and like you're going that's xavier's like yeah this sure this is on brand i mean do you remember (laughs) when he wore the yellow costume with the big x on his chest and was trying to be an x-man you know like do you remember when he was onslaught i mean you know he just wants to be part of the team that's all he wants (laughs) he's tired of being dad at home Do both of you still have those issues in your collections, or or have they long been purged? My 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 issues. Are gone. I do, and and I would suspect that I probably have Chris's issues. You probably have mine. Yes, yeah. Ed's been buying a lot of my Mac stock. You so. both have parts of my collection in. in oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Chris yeah. got some Spider Man stuff, and I've and, still got the Spider Woman stuff too. And, and yeah, I, okay. actually, I looked through those issues just the other day. Oh, cool. So. So yeah, so those are those are good. Yeah, it's we all just share stuff at this point. It's this somebody. Point. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I have owned and re-owned copies of books that I have sold to stores and stuff, and just not realized it. Like, no, this has been sitting here since you traded it in for store credit for these other books, you know, ten years ago. Like, okay, makes sense. I'd have to look up. I do have I one of my um um. Uh, pandemic projects um last year was to totally inventory the 30 plus boxes that i had oh good lord and (laughs) i did it yay good Um, job the other then i got on to the kick of um i found all of my ebay slips that i had printed out because i was pretty diligent about you know, when you sell on eBay and, and okay, let me, here's what I made minus eBay's fees minus, I wanted to know exactly how much I made, you know, on a whole bunch of stuff. So I found all those and managed to put them into my inventory undersold um, so that I could kind of like keep a record of like everything that I ever, 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 ever had. Um, also to kind of get like a number, like, let me see how much, you know, how many um uh you know how many comics have i actually owned so i'm just look i'm looking it up now all right so i sold my uh, a whole bunch of onslaught stuff Eh, it looks like about 20 issues uh for a total of 40 dollars. so back in 2001 um minus fees and stuff like that so so we're talking Uh like the uncanny x-men issues the x-men issues a couple of spinoffs and cable generation x a couple one shots so that's not a lot but you know 40 dollars for 20 books okay on ebay i'll take it oh yeah especially back then because <laughs> ebay comics and ebay back then were so you weren't get you were lucky if you got what you originally paid for back then yeah, yeah. But, yeah it was it was much the buyer's uh paradise yeah. than the yeah. seller's paradise yeah and they're buyers now that feel that it's still that that's not the case <laughs> no it's not. although the book that i bought tonight is one of those situations but that's it oh, right. i bought not to totally go off subject but i bought um silver the silver surfer is a stanley jack kirby silver surfer cosmic experience trade okay. and i found it there was a bunch of listings they're all like listed up in the hundred hundred and fifty dollar range i found my copy or the copy that i bought the pictures look great 
So I'm hoping that I'm actually in the cellar, had a huge rating, you know, very reputable, actually just in South Carolina. So if this doesn't turn out to be good, I'm going to show up at his house and, uh, but bought it for $45. Oh, nice. And so I'm super excited about that, but that is a, that is a small, that, that rarely happens on eBay these days. So, yeah. so yeah, but back then it was, yeah, definitely a, a buyer's market. Cool. Any final thoughts on X-Men Onslaught? Nope. No, I think this, this was fun. This is, you know, these episodes, uh, as I, as I assume I'll mention in the intro, um, we're not, I'm not doing this to deep dive. I'm doing this to kind of like reminisce and like, you know, get people to maybe read some of this stuff, you know, if, if it's been in your collection and you haven't read it, or if you see it while you're browsing online or elsewhere, I do know kingdom come is on the DCU app for anybody who has the DCU app. I have to imagine Onslaught is on the Marvel app, which I don't have. Um, yeah. Um, and, and it is. It, these are fun time capsules for when they came out. Um, certainly Swamp Thing with, the, with that character's longevity. Um, uh, it's, it's just interesting. It's interesting that, you know, that they still try to put some stuff behind that character as well. Yeah. Just like the most recent TV show, you know, so. Peter, you mentioned that you hadn't, or are not, however you want to phrase it, caught up with the current X-Men. Uh, there, there is a, a situation there that is uh, throughout all of the X-Books in one way or another that I would be really curious to get your thoughts on, and it's the concept of the Crucible. Hmm. And and I'm, I'm not going to say what that is. It's It first comes up in house of x i think because that's where they're starting to set up krakoa and all of the mutants living together on the island and everything the, the, there's a concept there's two back-to-back concepts the first part is the crucible um and just keep that word in mind and when you do get to that point in your x readings i, I would be really curious to see because it it touches very much on um, contemporary views of morality. Interesting. And from there, potentially not just personal morality, but um, it, it can go into issues of religions and their thoughts on what occurs in the crucible. Interesting. I almost thought you were going to go and mention the gala because I am I can't wait to read the gala stuff. So no, no I, I I'm not ever going to mention the gala. Oh, ever. come on. Uh, no, the concept no. of that is amazing. <laughs> I think it's no, fantastic. no, no. <laughs> all right. So I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Um, all right. So here at the end here, um, just some quick fire things. Um uh, what's the date on the penny in Batman's cave? <laughs> Trivia, right? Nineteen forty seven. What? Oh, is it? Oh, cool. Uh, what was I going to ask you both? <laughs> it's like, whatever, dude. I, 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 Bat, Batman is not, you know, nope. I, I know the character. Uh, not much more past that. <laughs> well, I just want to uh, just, uh, first of all, just say welcome back to the Boom Addiction. Um, uh, I think that, uh, so uh, as I'm sure I'll mention in the intro, um, uh, focusing on what I liked about just the most recent episode back the first one back again is is 
it's it's generic boom studios talk you know it's it's not necessarily deep diving you know which i'm sure you'll do at some point but just kind of like what's being what's being put out at the time certain changes behind the scenes etc but i just like that this episode allowed us to talk about your other interests too which i always seem to follow on twitter you know especially like the x-men stuff so i really do appreciate both of you being part of um uh this sort of generic anniversary episode oh i appreciate you letting us on yeah um anything you want to mention about boom addiction or anything else uh for anybody to know well i was gonna say as far as boom addiction goes it is uh it's been it's been four years we've been we took a break for four years and coming back to it as i have expressed to ed either on the show or off the show because i think i've said it two or three times there is a unknown misbalance to my scale in my brain that needed something and didn't know what it was and then the moment he and i got done recording that first episode my brain went that was it that was what you needed and i have been smooth sailing ever since and that's been a week and it's ed and i have known each other for a very long time and all the way back to indie man on comic addiction (laughs) (laughs) where he would call in and leave this very creepy voice on but talk about it was great um because we didn't talk about independent books at the time and and so uh but ed and i've known each other for a very long time and he i've had um i'm not going to say you're my favorite person i've done podcasting with because that's a disservice to everybody else i've had great times with uh but i uh but I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, our time that we've done podcasting together and could not believe uh, how quickly it all came back to me. So I, so, so boom addiction is more than just talking about boom studios for, for me, it's, it's connecting with, with an old friend and, and talking about comics and, and both of us have paid attention to podcasting for almost since the inception of podcasting. So we try and treat our show a very old school way of doing things. And, and it is, it may say, you may can tell in the audio that it's not pristine <laughs> and we don't care. No. <laughs> so. yeah. I, you know, I'm still using my earbuds, right? Exactly. My earbuds yeah. Mic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We've upgraded and, to Zoom, but that's about that's it. True. So. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ed, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, do you want to mention the the comic book wiki that you you paged you uh, update? Certainly. Um, uh, first, I, I want to thank Chris uh, for the kind words. I I agree with with everything he said. Um, it was fun after a period of not recording together. How that time off that we took didn't matter that first episode. You know, we we it it was just like. It felt like, well, our last episode was last week, and then it's this <laughs> week, and then next week, and, and you know, it just everything just fell right where it needed to be for us to have a good time, do what we got together to do, and then you know, we'll do it again next week. So okay. it, it, was, it was all very, very cool. Um, the wiki that Peter mentioned is the comic book podcast wiki. Uh, it was originally started by Mr. Derek Coward of the comic book noise uh group of shows he 
kind of has gotten into into doing other things and I have uh, stepped forward to keep it going. Um, throughout my perusings of the internet and listening to podcasts and watching Twitter and whatnot, anytime I come across a comic book, now it, it, it's got to be uh, prominently comic book based. I, I, I don't follow um, or follow, I don't use the, the pop culture podcast they actually they tend more away from comic books right with the rise of movies and tvs at this point yep so but those where people primarily talk about comic books as i find new shows to me i will put them alphabetically in this podcast wiki um every quarter i will post on a blog that i maintain those shows in that quarter that I have found with a link to whatever is their front page. Now, some of them, more often than not, actually, more recent shows, the front page will be the actual iTunes site or, um, excuse me, Apple podcast site or uh, the whatever FM site or the iHeartRadio. It seems like a lot of people are getting away from websites and just posting them on podcast aggregators so right, right. a lot of the front pages that i link to will be that because that is what they have posted on their twitter and that's all i've managed to track down but the wiki has everything that i have um, found again new to me over the last i don't know how long i've been doing this eight ten years i i maintain a list and i think the list is up to about 15 or 1600 shows over that period yeah so sometimes i'll just go back and, and look through the list and be like oh i remember that one whatever happened to and oh yeah those guys yeah so and i i recently did that and uh, i believe both you guys responded on twitter uh, i was throwing out some reminiscing because i had just gone through the list and something jumped out at me and i'm like yeah so um i'm, I'm old guys i'm old and <laughs> we're all old you want to use podcast comic books life age but you know whatever it's yeah so uh, that's that's just kind of a, a side thing that i do more to just hopefully give people an opportunity to find to find new shows that's all i'm interested in is people listening to these podcasts they're truly truly just about at this point any book that you can think of that is your favorite somebody is talking about it on a on a weekly monthly podcast yep. company shows character shows book title shows you know of course you have all your uh new comic book day drops where they will talk about everything for the, from dc or marvel or indie for that given week um there's all kinds of shows where younger people have gone all the way back to the beginnings of whatever, the JLA satellite era, uh, the Detroit era of the JLA, back to the Avengers because of the movies, what all the way back to the beginning. And they're doing index shows, which personally are the shows that I am really attracted to are the index shows. It's, it's kind of a shortcut to me reading because I know I'll never be able to read everything that I want to read, but I can listen to somebody else talk about it and, pick up the you know the the salient points and anytime i need to i refer to what i heard rather than what i read so right um yeah 
uh, and as Chris mentioned, podcasting to me is not the app, but the concept of GarageBand. We just go to the garage, we pull up a couple paint tubs, and we sit there and we play whatever with the mic and the books, and and we just talk, and after however long, we just stop and do that again later, whenever that is, you know, that, that's just, Peter, CGS, man, is, is so um, instrumental in everything that I personally look for and have enjoyed and want to do with podcasting. It is always foremost in my mind when it comes to comic book podcasting, and I, you deserve thanks for that, because without that, I have no idea. Oh, okay. it, it was that that is always my my go-to when I want to reminisce when I go back it's always starts with comic geek speak you and Deemer, and then a couple others and then a couple others and and you know you've got this big ensemble you're cruising along just plowing the way for everybody um you you you've done a lot uh for comic book podcasting I, and you you deserve to be told that if for no other reason than you deserve to be told that. Oh, I appreciate that. And both of you have been such awesome supporters. Uh, as we mentioned, buying books for me, uh, promoting on Twitter, you know, when I did a fundraiser or this and that. Like that's just been that it it goes noticed and 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 uh, this like I said, this has been a long time coming, you know getting you both here to talk about to talk about comics right like that's what i love it's what i love about the wiki you know because it's it's as you mentioned it's i love the i love history i love trivia so of course i'm gonna love podcast history and um to be able to have all that is such a great resource um uh and it's when when i kicked out these topics for this episode and both of you had feelings one way or the other <laughs> i was like great i'm sort of i i've been wanting to do these zoom things once once a month you know after episode 500 and then this is great because it's a nice it, it wound up being a nice smaller version which is awesome um uh i just knew once we you know we did a lot of the preamble stuff that this was going to turn out to be a really one of those episodes like you both mentioned you know old school yeah yeah let's just sit here and, and gab for a little bit oh yeah um yep. especially because we're all uh you know established older podcasters whatever, yes. whatever, whatever you elder, elder statesmen <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both thank you both go listen to boom addiction go listen to i'll have links for uh for ed's other podcasts and and twitter everybody's twitter and all that in the show notes yeah. um i think that's it yeah i think that's yep. good. good that sounds good all right it's a good stopping point excellent well gentlemen we will talk soon and thank you again for participating um be well thank you peter thank you Really needs you.